In today's episode, we are diving into how to keep your house cool in summer without electricity. Because when you are in full board preserving mode, aka a homesteader kitchen in summer, it's a vastly different thing than the majority of mainstream society. And it can be really hard when you are processing hundreds of jars of canned food to keep your kitchen cool, especially when you are like us and you do not have air conditioning or a swamp cooler. So I'm going to be sharing some old-fashioned pioneer ways and a few more modern, but how to keep your house cool in summer without electricity is this episode, which is number 148 of the Pioneering Today podcast with me, Melissa K. Norris, your host, where we teach families how to grow, preserve, and cook their own food using old-fashioned skill sets and wisdom to create a natural, self-sufficient home with or without the full-on homestead. Now, here in the Pacific Northwest, we have had a few weeks where we have been about 90 degrees Fahrenheit, but at the time of this recording, it'll be about a week before we really start to climb up and hit those longer stretches of hot weather. And many of you who are listening in, I know are already getting some waves of that heat, and it can be a real challenge to keep our kitchens cool and ourselves cool because it seems that that heat coincides with when the majority of all of our wonderful crops are coming on and we need to be preserving them. Now, there's lots of different methods of preserving food. We talked about that in last week's episode, which was number 147, where you're creating a preserving plan that's customized for you so that you can preserve enough food to last you through an entire year. But canning is one of our main modes of preserving our food. And some of that has to be canned and processed when it is harvest. And not only do we have canning, we use different methods of home food preservation too. And we'll be diving into those more in depth in some future upcoming episodes, don't you worry. But we've got bread to bake, cast iron skillets that are needing to be sizzling, and then mason jars and canners waiting to be filled. And it doesn't matter what that outside temperature is, which is also going to coincide with the inside temperature of the house. We just need to get it done. So like I shared, we have never had air conditioning and we put up between probably between four and 500 jars of food a year. So I have learned how to get creative and learn how to stay cool without electricity. So we're going to cover ways that you can keep your house cool in summer without electricity. And then we're going to share some bonus ways that you can also use in addition, if you do have electricity to stay cool too, because I'm a girl who lights lots and lots of options. Okay, so up first are my eight tips on keeping your house cool in summer naturally. Number one, block the windows. It's always cooler in the shade, right? You walk into the shade and you can noticeably difference a change lowering of the temperature. Well, the same thing goes for your house, especially when we are talking about the southern exposure windows and southern exposure areas of your home. So close your blinds and curtains early in the morning. Our goal is to block that hot sunlight coming through the glass and heating up the house. You may also want to look into blackout curtains. So blackout curtains are going to obviously block all of the light more so than blinds and regular curtains. 
Now, blinds and regular curtains are still a good thing. We use blackout curtains in our bedroom, actually. Our bedroom does not get southern exposure, but when it starts to get light in the middle of summer at about 4.35 a.m. in the morning, whenever the natural light starts to come in, it wakes me up. And I like to keep in my deep sleep as long as possible. So we use blackout curtains in our bedroom, but you can put them on other windows, especially if they're getting a lot of intense sunlight coming through. Another option as well is I've even seen where people will use shutters on the outside of the house, right? Covering up those windows versus the inside. And we have got on our back deck, so we have a sliding glass door in our living room that goes out to a covered back porch and then down to a deck. And that is southern exposure. So the covered part of the porch does help shade a little bit, but we've got full glass sliding glass doors. And then we also have two large windows that flank it. So I will pull the blinds on all those windows. But then on the outside of that covered porch, we actually have some roll-up wooden blinds. And I will lower that too so that we're even blocking the sun that can come in on that covered porch in order to help keep that cool as well. Tip number two, minimize opening and closing the doors. Now, I know some of these seem really basic, but they really all put together can make quite a significant difference in the temperature of your house. It's actually pretty amazing how much heat comes in, even if you think you're being quick and fast by opening and closing those doors, especially the more times they're opened throughout the day. Now, this can be difficult, especially if you've got smaller kids or kids. And I will confess, I have been known to lock the Southern Exposure door so that they have to use the other doors because I don't know what it is, but when they go outside, they seem to, in the summertime, always want to use that southern exposure door, and it lets the most heat in. And it seems like they come in and out, in and out, in and out. I've also noticed, too, when we're not home, so if we're at work or the kids aren't home, I've actually tracked the change in the temperature where it's about the same temperature outside every day. And it can be a difference of two to three degrees by not coming in and out and opening and closing those doors, which can be the difference between being comfortable and being way too hot. So we try to use the doors that are northern exposure and or in the shade and still try to minimize those trips where you're opening and closing the door. Number three, plant deciduous trees strategically. Now, this one is going to take time to pay off. This is not a quick fix, but it is something to consider if you are in your permanent homestead or your permanent space. Definitely needs to be done with some thought, though. I say deciduous trees because you don't want an evergreen tree blocking the sunlight in the dead of winter because that's when, for most climates, you're actually going to want the heat of the sun to warm your house. And this is especially true if you have solar panels or you have plans of going solar in the future. Deciduous trees are going to obviously leaf out in the summertime when we want that shade, but then they're going to drop those leaves in the wintertime when you're going to want, when we have less of the sunlight and we actually want it. Some other things to consider is you don't want to actually plant the tree too close to your house where you'll have potential for limbs falling, damaging the roof. The tree, if it's too close too, and something happens, it could damage your house if it's too close. You've got issues of roots. And this is especially true when it comes to the type of tree. Some trees, like a weeping willow, 
have a much more invasive and longer root system than other trees. So you want to make sure when you're planting a tree close to a structure, it's not too close to the foundation or the septic system because you can get issues there with roots. And with the deciduous trees, and this can even be true of your evergreens with pine needles, but you don't want it so close to the roof and your gutters that it's going to be clogging them and causing potential issues. Another thing to consider when you're planting your trees is you want to make sure that it's not planted in a spot that's going to block sunlight to your garden. So for most fruits and vegetables, they need at least eight plus hours of full sunlight a day for optimal food production. And we're all about getting the most we can out of our garden and our crops here on our homestead. We've actually had to remove some trees from our pasture that were blocking our fruit trees in our vegetable garden in summertime. So planting trees is definitely a long-term way of looking at it, but it's an ability to create shade from your house just using nature. But like I said, that's not one that's gonna pay off right away. That's gonna take some years down the road. Okay, tip number four, open the windows at night. Let nature cool off your home for you. As soon as that sun begins to fall behind the horizon, and this is key, You want to monitor the outside temperature with the inside temperature. And then as soon as it's the same, so it's as hot inside your house as it is outside, then open all of the windows because it's going to shortly, as that sun falls down, right, it's going to start to become cooler. So as soon as it's even, we open it up, plus that airflow, even if it's the same temperature, the airflow, if there's a breeze, definitely helps you feel cooler. In the height of summer, Here generally where we live in the Pacific Northwest of Washington State, we live up in the foothills, so we're in the mountains. But generally we open our windows and the sliding glass door at about 7.30 p.m. on really hot days. And we leave them open overnight until about 7.30 a.m. the next morning. The key to this is you gotta make sure you shut everything up before the temperature starts to climb again in the morning. And I know a lot of times I'll hear comments about you know leaving the danger of leaving open doors and windows to cool off at night. And I'll just say we live fairly rurally, but we also have a guard dog and other home security measures in place. But doing this, oftentimes, it depends on too how much it's cooling off at night, how much those nighttime temperatures are dropping, and those can change. But generally speaking, if we do this, we're going to drop at least at least 10 degrees overnight when we have all of our windows and the sliding glass door open. Okay, tip number five, minimize oven and stove top use. We're a from scratch cooking house and that doesn't stop in the middle of summer just because we're having a run on really hot weather. But, and now this is a more modern tip that I'm gonna give you right here because this uses electricity but that is to use an Instapot. I adore my Instapot, which is an electric pressure cooker. It lets me cook my favorite meals without heating up the house or being plugged in for hours on end like a slow cooker. But a slow cooker can help keep the house cool too if you don't have a beloved Instapot, if you're doing it versus a stovetop or turning on that oven, right? Tip number six, this is definitely an old fashioned tip and doesn't require electricity and that is outdoor cooking. I use our sun oven, which is a solar oven, and full disclosure, I did get my sun oven numerous years ago now in exchange for my free opinion of it because I didn't think that it would work very well here in the Pacific Northwest because 
we don't always get really, really hot. And I really thought that for a sun oven, I thought it would work good in more southern climate. So, you know, Arizona and Texas and where it gets really hot. I didn't know how well it would work up here in the Pacific Northwest, but it works just fine. As long as there is enough sun to cast a shadow, then the sun oven will work regardless of the outside temperature. It's really those solar sun rays coming down. But I like to use that a lot in the summertime because I want to put that heat and that sunlight to use. So if you've got a solar oven, put that bad boy to use. Fire up the grill, cook over an open fire. Now, one caveat with open fire, and we're talking hot summer months, that's, of course, going to depend upon if you are on fire ban or not. We do a lot of grilling and Dutch oven cooking and baking during the summer months. Not only do we enjoy it, which I love Dutch oven cooking, it is so much fun, but it definitely keeps the house cool while still allowing us to bake and cook all of our favorite goodies and dishes. This is especially helpful too during powder outages and a skill set that we use all year long. So I'll do it in the summer, in the winter time. We do use it more in the summertime. And we have a brand new series starting on using cast iron and outdoor cooking for all of my Pioneering Today Academy members. Now, if you're not a member of the Pioneering Today Academy or you wanna find out more about it, you can go to today's show notes, which is at melissaknorris.com slash 148, because this is episode number 148. And you can always find all the resources and links, the full article blog post that accompanies every episode there as well. And at the time of this recording, the Pioneering Today Academy is closed for enrollment, but we're going to have a very short window coming up really soon where you can enroll. So if you want to get information about that, you're going to want to make sure that you go over and get on the notify list to get an email with details when that happens. Tip number seven. Create a summer kitchen. So this is a really old practice going back centuries, actually. And back in the old days, you would have a separate building that was used to cook and preserve foods during the heat of summer. Another variation of this, so it kind of depended on what area of the country you were in, but another variation of this is what they call a dog trot house. So that's where you have an open breezeway that connects two separate one-story structures. Most often or a lot of the times they were cabins. So you would essentially have two cabins and then you would have an open breezeway usually connected with like a roof that would connect the two of them. So you would have one cabin or one side of it that was used for your bedrooms or sleeping, kind of your main quarters. And then usually the other side, so the other separate building was used for your cooking and the kitchen. We've kind of taken the same idea here on our homestead and we create an outdoor summer kitchen. So we have a permanent fire pit for open fire, so open fire cooking. And that's also where we cook with our Dutch ovens. And then we have another pit that's built up. It's about waist high, so you're not bent over and stooped over when you are trying to cook. Also, it has a grate over it, so I can just build a fire in it. It's shallow enough so that I don't have to build a huge fire and use a lot of fuel. And then the grate just goes right down on top of it, and it's waist high, same height as you would have for a normal stove in a kitchen. And then I can cook over that. So I can grill on it. I can just use a frying pan and I can fry on it. Or I actually have a domed lid. So I can kind of even almost roast and bake with that too, or do a little bit of smoking with it. 
And then next to that, we have a really long counter because you need a place to put your food, do your prep work, you know, all that kind of thing. So it's really helpful to have a table or a counter next to your outdoor kitchen, just like you would in an indoor kitchen, right? Counter space is always a good thing. And I also use this same area and do an outdoor canning kitchen. And this is not a permanent structure or permanent thing. The outdoor canning kitchen, when I'm canning outdoors, is I use two burner propane stove on legs. And I have a full lesson on this that's covered in our home canning with confidence e-course and is also part of the Pioneering Today Academy where I walk you through setting up canning outside, kind of the pitfalls and what you really need to pay attention to in order to remain safe when you are canning outside. Tip number eight, be strategic on when you use the kitchen. If you have to use the stove in the kitchen, I have found that I prefer using it in the evening when I'm either just about ready to open the windows or I know I will be shortly so that the house can begin its nightly cool down right about the time that it's starting to heat up from the stove being on or the oven. Now, some people will say to do this in the morning before the heat of the day, but honestly, I have found that for us, when you don't have air conditioning, that that just raises the temperature in the house. And I don't have any way to bring it back down once that temperature started to raise until that night when I can open all the windows and everything. So I prefer to do it in the evening. And this is especially true when it comes to canning time. If I don't have my outdoor kitchen set up or I need to do some canning, I will wait until after supper. And that's when I'll use the Instapot or the Dutch oven outside, some of those other means to cook dinner. And then we'll do all of the canning prep in the kitchen, but without turning the stove or anything on. And then as soon as it starts to cool down, so about 7.30, I'll have everything ready to go so that I'm not up till the wee hours of the night canning, right? But everything's ready to go. So kind of right at 7.30 when we're starting to open everything up and cooling it down, then I can turn that stove burner on, get the canner up to pressure, and away we go. These are some bonus tips that I have because they do require electricity. And a few of the previous tips that I gave you required electricity too, though not all of them. And that was if you're going to be using a slow cooker or an Instapot, well, then you're most likely going to be using an electricity source for those. But this is how we cool a room down in our house using fans. If you only have one fan, this is our number one way. And this is what we use in our bedroom because I don't know about you guys, but if my bedroom is hot, oh my goodness, I do not get a good night's sleep at all. This is open up your window and you wanna place the fan in front of an open window so it's going to draw and push the cooler outside air and it's gonna be blowing that into the room. And we actually position the fan so that it's doing that and then it's blowing right onto the bed and right where we're at. Now, if you've got two fans, then if, with the second fan, you're gonna place it at another open window, but you're actually going to place the fan so that it's facing outside. It's facing the window so that it can draw the hot air that's in the house and draw it out of the room and out of the house faster by pushing that hot air outside. Now there's box fans. And sometimes you can get box fans too that actually have two fans in them. So they do this. So they have one fan that is in this box frame and you just set it in your window that's gonna be drawing the air in. And then you've got another fan right next to it. Both the blades are spinning at the same time that's pushing the air out. So there's a couple different ways that you can do that. We don't happen to have one of those box dual fans. So we just use a regular fan that's on a stand. We're gonna do a quick 
recap for you. One, block the windows. Minimize opening and closing those doors. Plant shade trees if at all possible. Open your windows at night. Minimize your oven and stove top use, anything that's going to create heat in the house. Outdoor cooking. Create a summer kitchen. And be strategic on when you have to use the kitchen. This is actually going to be part one because I've got part two coming up on how to actually keep yourself cool, not just your house, using some natural means, including herbs. And I'm really excited. So that episode will be coming up next week. And if you want to learn more about using your Dutch oven to cook and cooking outdoors, One, you can sign up to get notified when the Pioneering Today Academy is open for enrollment again. But two, if you have a copy of my book, Handmade, The Modern Guide to Made from Scratch Living, not only do I have the favorite recipes that we use that we're cooking outdoors and indoors, but I also have an entire section on using a Dutch oven to bake and cook with, including charts on how many coals you need to reach specific temperatures, some specific recipes for your Dutch oven, and a full-on tutorial for using your Dutch oven to bake and cook outside with. So if you've already got your copy of Handmade, you're going to want to dive in, go back to that chapter and read that. And if you don't, then of course, you could go to the show notes, melissakenorris.com slash 148, and you can grab your copy plus... I've got some awesome bonuses, over $58 worth of bonuses that you get for free when you purchase the book. And if you didn't know about the bonuses, but you've already got a copy of the book, there's no time limit. So you're going to want to make sure that you go to handmadethebook.com and claim all of your free bonuses there. On to our verse of the week. And this is from Judges chapter 6, verse 15. And this is from the Amplified Translation of the Bible. Gideon said to him, O Lord, how can I deliver Israel? Behold, my clan is the poorest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And I love this verse. In fact, I love the whole story of Gideon. But I really like this verse because oftentimes I feel so inadequate. And I love that the Lord uses and picks those who feel that way. Because I have to tell you, it used to really bother me that I didn't have a college degree. I felt that somehow I wasn't as qualified, that it was going to hinder me. And I'll be honest, there are some career paths and some jobs that you are going to need a college degree for in today's day and age. But honestly, if I had a college degree, I don't think that I would be doing what I'm doing now. And I certainly wouldn't have known that it was because of the Lord's leading and that it was because he gifted me and was using me. I would have credited it all to because I had this education and this career path. I wouldn't have laid the credit where credit is due. And that's at the Lord's feet where every good thing that we have comes from. And I think he uses the least of us and those of us who don't feel that on our own we were anywhere near qualified to do things because then he can shine through and he can lead us. Because when I start to get a little bit too big for my britches and I really think I've got things figured out or I know something, then I tend to want to take all of the credit myself and I don't want to listen to the Lord's leading. And that's usually when I tend to get myself into trouble. I don't know about you. So if you have been feeling less than or perhaps not qualified, take heart, my friend, because the Lord doesn't need qualifications that the world has. 
And he can use you and I exactly where we are if our hearts are willing to listen and lean on him. I want to thank you so much for joining me today on the Pioneering Today podcast. I always appreciate your time. And if you have not subscribed yet, make sure whatever app that you are listening to this on, be it iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play, that you go ahead and click that subscribe button so you never have to come and hunt up another episode when it releases. It will just be automatically put on your device. So I hope that you stay cool and get lots of from scratch cooking and preserving done this week. Talk soon. Bye for now.